Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. Welcome to the live exchange. I am Dr. Pamela. We are every week, every Thursday, talking humanity, intellect, and change. And uh, today, I will be joined by two guests, Brian Carpenter, and later in the show, R&B icon, Drew, and we'll be discussing the, the the pursuit of black male joy. Why black male joy? Well, there's a lot going on in the world, and I think that one of the ways in which we overcome some of the challenges that we face in life, the realities of the, the social world and the things that are going on in the social world is by pursuing our joy. And today's guests are going to be talking about how they do just that through their own initiatives, um, through some of the things that they love doing, enjoy doing, and the ways in which they've kind of overcome some of the struggles, whether that's a, you know a, a personal mental um, block that you know I, I I I'm not sure that I can do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to push, 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 and overcome, um, or whether it's just a block from society and some of the things that that are set up. Um, that really make things a bit more difficult for, for black men. And so I am really excited to tap into this idea of black male joy. And if you're not already following it, there is actually a hashtag that I follow on Instagram called Black Joy. Um, and I absolutely love watching those different um, posts come through. So joy is something that can be found in the journey of self-discovery and consciously choosing the meaning of our life experiences. And so today, my guests and I are going to discuss this pursuit of joy through the shifting of mindset, tending to our mental health, and creating spaces for us to thrive and freely operate in joy. I just can't wait to hear the Black male perspective on how they find their joy. So I am looking forward to the show. I would love for you all to engage. Um, check us out. We're, right, we're live right now on the Sensation Station Network Facebook page, and uh, we will be right back for a great show on the live exchange. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am excited to uh, introduce our first guest. Brian Carpenter is a native of Flint, Michigan, where he was an all-American athlete, athlete in track and football. He attended the University of Michigan, and after his college career, he was drafted to the NFL. He has played for the New York Giants, um, Buffalo Bills, and the Washington football team. After his career in football, Mr. Carpenter opted to start his own janitorial products business. He developed high quality cleaning supplies that I, and I love this part, that he named after common football teams. So we've got Wolverine, Safety, Locker Room, Spot Check, Overtime, and Blitz. The quality products and services provided by Mr. Carpenter helped to build and expand his business around the Washington metropolitan area. He is a businessman that stands behind his products and services, and he provides and develops true partnerships with everyone he serves. He brings with him 30 years of experience in service and sales. His motto is, I eat what I kill. 
In 2004, Brian Carpenter started the Flintstone Group LLC, a janitorial service and supply business servicing the D District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. Flintstone Group currently serves several entities throughout the metropolitan area. Welcome, Brian Carpenter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's so good to have you. I, I've got to start with this this uh, motto of yours, I eat what I kill. <laughs> Tell us about that and how that kind of is, is your motto. How, is that, how does that shape what you do? Well, when you're in business, when you're self-employed and you're uh, hiring people, you, I mean, I, I, I have to make a check. I don't get a check. I have to make one every day. So I have to go out and hunt every day and uh, look to be successful. Right. Yeah. And that's that's so important because sometimes the idea, especially after having been in the NFL, right. um, a lot of people would assume that, you know, you know you've kind of already got your um, everything's handed to you. You're just you've, you've kind of already got it laid out. And, you know, all you need to do is just go do it. Um, but I would imagine it's a little bit more difficult than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a lot more difficult than that. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell me a little bit about your transition from the NFL to the work that you're doing now. Because one of the things that I've always wondered about is when you have – I was an athlete as well, although I never got paid um, to do the sports <laughs> that I did. Um, I was a college athlete, and that's kind of where it stopped. But I've, wonder, I've always wondered about that transition when you've been doing sports for so long, and then it becomes your profession, and then you're done. Um, what is it like then transitioning into, you know, life, <laughs> you know, outside of sports? Well, initially it was, it was difficult because it was something that I had done all my life. Uh, yeah. you know, you train, you prepare, you, you know, you get up to play to compete on a daily basis. And one of the hardest things was me for me was to transition to find something that would bring me that same type of joy and excitement mm -hmm. off the field that right. I was used to competing and, and, and training for and, and gearing up that was getting my juices flowing to be prepared for the play on Sundays or Saturdays. And, um, and, and taking a career that would, uh, motivate me that the same way that the uh, sports did. Right. Yes. I love that. Um, and, and so how did you, how did you get into this particular career? Um, what was it? I mean, I, it, it, you never know. I mean, there's, it could right. be anything, you know, you could have gone into being a singer or you could, have, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but what is it that, that drew you to what you're doing now? Okay. Well, I definitely wasn't going to be a singer because I can't sing <laughs> only in the shower. Okay. <laughs> That's what yeah. I say. I like to sing, but I don't know. That I'm a singer. <laughs> but no, what, um, uh, for me, I, when I came out, I started working at a bank, and, okay. um, and 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 I realized then that I did not like the corporate world. I mm. didn't want to be locked in and not being able to have a voice or a say yeah. in what I was doing. And 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 I wanted, I didn't like uh, the fact that when I left that, that I was not sitting at the table. I was not making decisions or in the boardroom. Yeah. Uh, the other part was when I came and started working for the government here, when I moved back to D.C., uh, I realized at that point 
uh, of the politics and things that were involved in it. So I was getting my feet wet on both sides of the corporate world and the government world. And that's kind of how I started to learn and understand how business was working and being done uh, at the local level in terms right. of business and, and things. Then there was um, one of the things that I wanted to do, and I was used to being able to do playing football or playing pro sports, was that I wanted to be I wanted to be paid for what I brought to the table. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wanted to be paid for that. So, yeah. So I didn't like the fact that you know uh, one of the things I don't want to be able to have to go in and ask my boss or anybody else to to provide me for a raise. Yeah. Based upon the needs or things that I'm doing, I I like the opportunity that sales presented to me when I got involved with sales that all I had to do was, it was my responsibility to fill in the check. Yeah. Okay. And what I made, um, all they had to do was sign it. I love okay, it. So. You know, what's interesting about this is that the, the there's a lot of research out there that's talking about entrepreneurial um, entrepreneurship and, and particularly why black women are getting into entrepreneurial endeavors. And right now black women are, um, probably at the top when it comes to how many people are just leaving corporate and going into the entrepreneurial pursuits. And they're saying it's because of the different things they're facing in the corporate world, the microaggressions, um, sexism, and things like that. So it's interesting because what you're saying is exactly what they're saying in terms of why so many Black women are starting businesses. I don't want to have to uh, have my mercy at the, the corporate world or, you know, or somebody who can make those decisions for me. So um, when we come back, we're going to go into some trending topics, but I'd love to hear a little bit of your take about that phenomenon of black women who are pursuing entrepreneurship, but I would love to hear okay. from a male perspective as well. So uh, stay with us, everyone. We will be right back on the live exchange. All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. And just to get into some trending topics, um, my, I, I've got to, I'm just really excited about um, my friend and I don't know, um, Brian, if you heard about this, but one of my best friends from high school and college, who was also um, a star athlete, um, Victor Glover, he is now an astronaut, a NASA astronaut and a naval aviator. And um, in his first, first spaceflight mission, he served as the pilot on the Crew-1 flight of SpaceX's Crew Dragon Capsule. Let's put him back up there. Let's give him some more time. No question. That's right. <laughs> Which launched in November 15th, uh, 2020. And, and I had the honor, my daughter and I were there to see the launch. Um, and it was the first operational commercial crewed mission of the International Space Station and the second such flight overall after SpaceX's uh, mission. Um, he became the 15th Black astronaut in space and the first Black astronaut to stay for an extended period period on the International Space Station, where he spent nearly six months in orbit as a part of Expedition 64. So they splashed down on um, uh, early, early Sunday morning, and it was a phenomenal thing to watch, um, to see them splash into the ocean and be extracted. Uh, they had some special tech names for that that I can't remember, but it was so amazing and exciting to see. And when we talk about black male joy, 
Wow, you know, there is uh, some some serious joy there. Did you happen to catch this story? No, I didn't, but just hearing you talk about it is amazing. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine being out in space. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And for six months, and then what does it feel like wow. to put your feet on the ground for the first time in six months? <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that that is our our trending topic, and um, also there's another um, story that's going around. I don't have all the details around it that I probably um, would like to have, but I was curious to know, Brian, if you happen to hear about some of the um, controversy about around the draft and the fact that no black male, I'm sorry, HBCU males were chosen for the um the draft and and just kind of if you had any thoughts on that well the game um is so political yeah yeah yeah, all athletics like that especially the higher you go the more money that's involved in it but one of the things that i always believe is that cream shows up no matter where and there's a lot of people that have come through that was not drafted from from the schools or there's people through free agency that was given an opportunity and 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 I'm sure that the talent will always end up showing up whether they hang in there with it produce it this year or the following years but uh the game is built around <laughs> black talent so there's yeah. no question about it. I mean, 75% of the league or 80% of the league is black. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just a matter of them getting the opportunity to show their skills, whether it happened at a bigger university or it's going to happen at a smaller school. It's right. the cream always going to show up at the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, I, I think that it might be time to look at some more strategic partnerships between um, the NFL and, and some of the HBCUs, just because we know that there is a gap there and, and maybe there are some things that, that, that can be done that are more proactive. Well, I think that also, you know, it's, it's so difficult to recruit now, especially these young kids and, and, and with the internet and, and the exposure, ESPN, all the TV stuff, kids want to be on TV. I mean, they want to be on TV. They want to be exposed to it, and they want it now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They yeah. want the gratification right now. They don't want to go put in the work. They want to Ooh. live well. They want uh, – so it's, so it's difficult to try to get a young man or a young woman to understand that um, what, you know, playing sometimes is better. Wherever, wherever you're playing at, just being able to go play to develop your skills on your craft to get ready for the next level. Right. And, yeah. And, and that's major. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. How did you prepare? What what was your life like that, you know, your your athletic life? What what led you to making it to the NFL? Well, I came from my parents, my father, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins, <laughs> uh, everybody was involved in sports. My brother that played, uh, he played football, he played before me. So he went okay. to the University of Michigan. My brother died, he was a, a CPA accountant at U of M, and huh. he died at 27. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, he had a heart attack playing basketball there, yeah. but I'm proud of him because he's done more alive. I mean, more dead than a lot of people have done alive. Wow. Uh, Butch is, Butch has my brother, Butch Alden is, uh, we have one of the largest black scholarships at law school at the university of Michigan in the country. So wow. they provided over three scholarships a year for the last 40 years. Wow. So, yeah. That's so I'm, I'm very proud of, of that and what he's, his legacy of what he's done, but he's, paved the way for me. You know, he exposed me. I was going to the Rose Bowl and uh, mm. when I was in the sixth grade. So, I, I grew up in, in Southern California. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coming from that, seeing, you know, I went out there twice and then I was going up to all of their games and my other brother that played at Michigan State, I knew that was something I wanted to pursue. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. my father gave me three choices at that time. Hey, you either go to college or you're going to go to the service or you're going to work in the plant hmm. in General Motors. I knew I didn't want to work in the plant and I know I didn't want people shooting at me. So, right. So, <laughs> the only choice I was going to have was to go, uh, was go to college. So okay. I look forward to that. I love it. I love it. And look, and, and everybody has their path because of course there's, there's merit on in all three of those directions, but you've got to no pick one that works for you. And I love that you, you were strategic about that. Um, so when we, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about um, a little bit of um, some, some research and I'm going to get some of Brian's intellectual take on, on some of this research. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, right now I am joined by Brian Carpenter, uh, entrepreneur, former NFL player, and uh, we're talking about the pursuit of black male joy. And yeah, that might sound weird. Why black male joy? Why? Well, <laughs> because um, there is a, a unique experience that black men have, especially here in the United States. And um, just kind of even looking at the past year of um, some of the you know the 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 racism that has been um displayed publicly on um social media and 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 sure it's not only black men absolutely we've got brianna taylor we've got we've got um and just most recently a black woman was shot by police officers so there's been certainly um black women are right there um when it comes to facing trauma here in the united states um but i do still believe that black women and black men have have very unique experiences um, when it comes to race and gender um, here um, in the United States. And um, one of the things that I wanted to delve into a little bit was just a little bit of research um, and some self-care um, strategies that um, Sarah, she's a certified life coach and uh, a healthcare provider that she offers um, some tips for the pursuit of self-care. Um, number one is choosing an alternative viewpoint um, or reframing. Um, and, and while this, you know, may not always be easy to do because we know what it is. We know if we're talking about racism, we know it's racism, right? Um, but there are also ways that we can reframe what that means for our lives. So we can say that it means that I'm never going to get anywhere because of the racist policies in this country, or it can mean that I'm going to strategize 
and figure out how to make things work for me as you have, Brian, um, Brian um, you know, in order to get your life going. And so number one is choosing an alternative viewpoint or reframing. Um, number two is looking for opportunity. Um, so again, I feel like we're talking about you, Brian, <laughs> but looking for opportunity um, to make things happen. Um, number three is focusing on the positivity. Uh, what I do want to say is that we need to be careful about this concept of false positivity, meaning we're not glossing over the pain. We're not glossing over the realities of what's going on, but we're all allowing both to exist at the same time. So we're allowing um, the pain to exist, the, the trauma to exist, the things that we see that that um, we need to change. We allow that to be a reality, but we also focus on the things that are positive and that give us life um, so that we can have the fuel to keep going. Um, number four is focusing on the solution um, rather than just kind of mulling over the challenges. And then number five, re- recognize a fresh start that comes from ashes. So if everything has you know, broken down, um, recognize the opportunity to create a fresh start for oneself. So I am going to, um, I just would love to hear your thoughts. I know that you might not necessarily have these memorized. They're in front of me. <laughs> um, but based on what you heard, you know, how does that resonate with you? I think it was great. I, I believe in all of that. I believe that, um, and I've tried to operate in my life, and and when I talk to kids or, or youth, you, you know, one of the things that I try to emphasize is that we can fail because of mm. or we can succeed because of. Yes. You know, so regardless to whatever your shortcomings are, whatever your situation is, you're going to make it because of <laughs> Or you're going to fail because of it. Right. You know, so it depends upon exactly with what you're talking about and how you how you view it, what motivates you and what what pushes you. Uh, because just because of your circumstances doesn't mean where you're at right now, that that is going to direct your it's going to direct your destiny of, of what you're pursuing. So I, I truly believe that. Yes. The ways I operate in my personal. Secondly, I like to see that it's amazing that you bring that subject up because I was reading and thinking about this uh, this morning. You know, one thing about black men and black women, we and, and black to black race, we are one of the most forgivingness, lovingness yeah. race <laughs> of, of that's been there. With all that has happened to us and to over the years and and stuff that has happened we we've had to learn to let it go to forgive yeah, it so we yeah. can be able to move on and 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 i think that uh the bible talks about in john uh first john chapter 2 verse 9 i was just reading that this morning of how we've had to learn you can't succeed your real joy by by holding on past hate Gosh, to pass things that that have hated, that have hurted. So one of the things that, you know, I I try to do and being able to move forward is not looking back to to what has hurt me Mm -hmm. in the past and then allowing it to let go, let it go, figure out how do I move better? How do I pursue the things that are in front of me? Right. And be 
successful at that. And then I think we've done a great job as black people, as men and women, of pursuing that. Not all with learning from our past, but being more excited about our future. Ooh, I love that. Uh, that is such a great balance, learning from our past, being more excited about our future. Um, you talked about letting go um, of things that have happened. How do you do that? Um, if you know, So we've just had probably one of the craziest years that many of us have experienced in our lifetimes. Um, and, and while some of that still might not be the past, we might still actually be kind of experiencing, well, we not, it's not might. I mean, we're virtual right now because, <laughs> because right. of COVID. So we are still experiencing a lot of um, the, the, we're still kind of in it, but how does one go about letting go? And, and I'm sure that you have experiences with things that you've had to let go do you have a strategy or a way that you've done that that you can share with others? No, I mean, I, I, I typically try to look for the positives in things, the yes. reason why, you know, uh, like you talked about before, coming from an athletic background, you know, I can't play in defensive back, playing there. You can't, I could never allow myself to get caught up or to think about what just happened. That's good. You know, the yeah. play that, that was behind me. I, I always thought that greatness was going to be the next play. You know, I was going to do something great the next day. Every day I wake up, I look to be better tomorrow than I am today. So yeah. preparing myself, waking up with that joy, waking up and knowing that uh, that God has still kept me in the game. Right. Because there's a lot of people that are checking out, that are leaving here, that are doing things uh, and that are not having the opportunity. And, and I'm grateful and thankful that I still have the opportunity yes. to be great, to do something great and, the, and, and advise that. So that's kind of where um, I'm motivated every day and I look every day just for the positive, just for the little things in life, being able to breathe, being able yes. to walk, being able to talk. <laughs> yeah. I love it because that's, that's, that's what has gotten me through the past year is, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to think about what we can't do and the limitations and, and the fears um, uh, that have been happening with the government, with COVID, um, with, with violence against people of color. But I have done exactly what you said, you know, in getting through the last year, it's almost like you have to exaggerate the focus on joy and positivity so that you can buffer yourself against, you know, all the things that could really potentially bring us down. Um, and a lot of people were down and have been down and are still down after the past year. Um, what would you tell somebody who is struggling to, to just kind of get themselves up after being, uh, you know, just kind of after whatever, you know, there's a lot of things that people, people have lost jobs, people have lost loved ones, people have been sick and haven't really recovered 100%. Um, and, and those are debilitating. Right. How can one get back up after that? And, and it might be the same thing you just said, but I just want to re, I just want to make sure people understand that there is a way to rise above these ashes. Well, I think that we have to look for the victories in our life, set ourselves up for the small victories built. It's like building a house. You build a brick at a time. You know, you start building success 
victory at a time. Yeah. Being just the basic things of, of just being able to get up and walk. You know what? Let me let me think about getting physically healthy. Mm-hmm. If if I can't work, if I if I'm, you know, uh, the, the, if I can't go out and make income, I lost my job. I've got certain things, but you know what? Maybe I can start to work on myself physically. Yeah. Let me just go walk around the block. That's good. <laughs> you That's know, good. I don't have to have a gym. I don't have to have that. Let me just uh, grab a magazine. Let me just read an article. Mm-hmm. Let me just try to, uh, to, to educate myself just a little bit more today than what I did yesterday. Let me per- start pursuing different things. So let's start building on the the positives and Mm -hmm. not always dwelling on the negatives that are happening in our lives. I love it. You know, it reminds me of what I I often tell my clients. So I do a lot of coaching. Um, I'm also a professor. So I work with students through their doctoral process. And when they feel defeated, the question I ask them is, where is your power in this situation? You know, where in this, in the midst of everything that seems to be in control where is your power what can you do and and it sounds like what you just said i can get up and i can walk around the block i can take a deep breath that's right Right. sometimes it just starts with that you've got to start with where you are right um so i mean that's so powerful so i'm going to ask you the same question when you are you know we're just kind of starting your business I, i i imagine that's not always an easy thing to do there's there's different hurdles that come along the way um you know where did you find your power in that in that process well it was difficult uh but but because of like i said the background that i've come from and my approach on life and on that i i, I just look for the small victories i look for it you know let me start with one client let me look for one customer let me look to put one product on somebody's shelf, okay? Then let me put two. Then let me put three. Love let it. Let me start to build relationships on there because, as like I said, you don't eat an elephant <laughs> whole. You eat no. it slice at a time. So yes. You got to slice it up to eat it. So uh, that's how I looked at sales. That's how I looked at approach. That's how I look. Everybody has to be special, have to be dealt with one at a time. Got it. Perfect. I love it. That's bite-sized pieces. I love it. All right. So uh, when we come back, I actually want to learn a little bit more about um, your businesses and your product. And I love the the, the names of your products. So I've just got (laughs) to dig into that. So stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back on the Live Exchange. All right. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am joined by Brian Carpenter. And um, he was an All-American athlete in track and football and was also drafted to the NFL, where he played for the New York Giants, the Buffalo Bills, and the Washington Washington football team. Um, And so I um, so you're now you now have a business and um, you are working with different um, janitorial products. And I love that the cleaning supplies are named after football terms. (laughs) Wolverine, safety, locker room, spot check. I think that might be my favorite overtime (laughs) and blitz. (laughs) I love creativity, just period. So this is a really creative approach. But I would love to hear you just talk a little bit about this, this business and what your products do. Well, um, we're an industrial 
products, we sell industrial janitorial products mm -hmm. that are used on a on a commercial level for okay. uh, for custodian workers to try to relieve and help their just aid them in in their doing their jobs. So one of the things that we do, we supply toilet paper, paper towel, trash bags, um, and industrial chemicals. We we private label our own products, mm -hmm. and we use them. We go out and find the best products that are there on the market, and we work with chemists to to have them made. I love it. Yeah, so we, uh, I'm very proud of that. I'm, you know, because we're, we're one of the bigger users of the janitorial services. People are black folks are are, are always cleaning somebody else's and all of that, and, and I want to make sure that they're having and using the best products. So there's there's a lot of. Um... I guess, um, mixed feelings about black people working in janitorial services. Um, when the White House, um, when the, that insurrection happened in the White House, pictures started circulating the internet of the cleanup <clears throat> of that where, you know, were primarily black janitorial staff. And that was presented as <clears throat> a, um, just kind of a, a juxtaposition of the white insurrectionist the black janitors. Um, I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about the way that it was put out there as a controversy, but I'm just curious to know your thoughts about that because I think that too often we minimize the work of this profession and kind of take away the dignity of the profession. And I just would love to hear you speak to that a bit. Well, I believe, and I think, especially after uh, working it, and doing it and being involved in it. They're one of the most skilled professions of, yeah. of how they operate and what they do. Uh, the work, the machinery in which that they do, their jobs go so unnoticed. It's never noticed until it's not done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. That's the beauty of what they do. When you walk into the Capitol or the White House and you see those floors, looking mm. like glass, looking like marble. It yeah. takes a skill to be able to do that. It takes, yeah, it takes a pride in being able to have your your work speaks for itself. And nobody right. asks every day, well, who's this guy doing this? Who is yeah. the guy when you sit there and, and when they sit there and they make uh, turn something into art, Okay, because that's basically what they're doing. What they've done wow. at the Capitol or the White House, they've turned that into art. And yeah. it's one of the most, you know, if you're looking at a painting on a wall, you're sitting there and admiring it. But when you, right. when you look at the quality of work that some of these people put in and what they've learned and the skill in which it's being done, it's truly amazing. Wow. So, I mean, we just take it for granted, just like you said, you know, it's not noticed unless it's not done. Um, right. And yeah. I think that kind of lines up with, you know, the solution to that, I think, lines up to what, what, what you said earlier about the small victories, the small joys, the small for us to just intentionally take notice of the small things. I'm walking into a building and it's clean. 
I'm walking into a bathroom and it's clean. I'm walking into a restaurant and it's clean. And, and for us to be intentional about noticing that and not always about writing a review when it's not. Right, right. Well, when you sit back and think about your own, when you sit back and think about your own house, how difficult it is on a daily basis to keep your house clean. Yeah, you know, to, to keep it dusted, to keep right. the wear and tear and the things that you have. I but can't for dust this, for the life of me. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I just somebody, move it around. Yeah, so somebody's doing this daily. Yeah, to provide that type of environment. Yeah, for people to come in and be successful. Somebody's getting up early before you get to work. Yeah, and doing this. Somebody's staying there late after you leave. Yeah. To make sure that when you come in to work, that that the trash and the things that you did during that course of the day, that you're getting a fresh start every day. I love that. That's yeah. major right there. So it so so janitorial services are are committed to giving us a fresh start. A fresh I mean, I don't know if you understand the power of what you just said. <laughs> but but giving a fresh start every day, that's major. I love it. Well, love that it. goes back to what I, I was telling you. It's something to build on every day. I mean, you look for yeah. the little victories, the little things that you look for that are around you, yeah. that people put in place. And, and, and you don't realize the effort and the quality and, and what they have to deal with to make those things happen right. on a daily basis. And, and we, take it for, we take it for granted. I, and not only do we take it for granted, but so many people are condescending about it, which is something I don't completely understand um, because it, it is, look, it, it, the, the other thing is, so yes, um, this profession enables us to have a fresh start every day, but it also is a huge part of us being healthy. It's a huge, I mean, the role of, of, of helping us maintain our health especially over this last year, it became even more evident the importance of this role. And and we have to go to a break, but I would love to talk about that um, when we come back just briefly. Um, so stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back on the Live Exchange. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, um, and I'm joined by Brian Carpenter, former NFL player, current um, owner of the Flintstone Group, LLC, a janitorial service um, and supply business. And um, we're just talking a little bit about the dignity behind the the janitorial industry. Um, And right before the break, we talked about how this industry enables us to have a fresh start every morning, which is amazing. And we wouldn't even understand how important that is until they don't exist. And then we'll, (laughs) we'll understand. But also because of the level of um, the ways in which they contribute to our health and wellness on a day-to-day basis, especially in light of what we saw with COVID. COVID just magnified what they are already doing. Um, So I would just love to hear your thoughts on this health and wellness aspect. Well, I think that exactly with what you just said, I think that this COVID, uh, this pandemic has showed us all of how we're all connected. And, yes. and we all rely upon the services and of what we all bring to the table, how uh, yeah. small or big that you think it is, but how we're all connected. The you know the right. grocery store people that are stocking the 
the, the food, bringing in the food, people that are growing the food, people yeah. that are working in manufacturing, developing products, developing sanitizers, developing yes. uh, uh, the smallest things, bottles. We didn't realize uh, until this pandemic of how valuable just, mm -hmm. just, just gloves are. Right. You, know, you can get gloves. <laughs> you can get. You, I mean, you can get toilet paper. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. On at, at a home level, you know, food. People was running out of food. Yeah. At the grocery store. So regardless to the wealth that you had, what it happened? This pandemic has showed us all of how it can all drop in a heartbeat. Yeah. Quickly, how things, the economy can change. What we thought was successful, we, mm -hmm. we realize now that it doesn't take much for right. it to leave. And, and when you realize of, of what people bring to the table, of how essential it was for these workers to be able yeah. to go in and clean the hospitals, clean the, clean the buses, clean the trains, yeah. Uh, yeah, take care of the buildings. Yeah. Know, yeah, to go in to the White House, the government, I mean, they they risked their lives. They were frontline people mm -hmm. that were risking their lives to keep this government flowing, to keep this world flowing, yeah, the economy flowing. And they're you know, and they do it. They take pride in what they do, and they're overlooked, just like the teachers. You yeah. know, when the kids couldn't go to school now, and all of a sudden, how important parents were realizing <laughs> what they had to deal with. Yeah. On a daily basis of, of educating your child. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The discipline with your child. Do we just typically just want to drop them off at school and let the teacher deal with it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yes. yes. So now we have a clear understanding of the roles that everybody plays in this. And, uh, did, you know, and I'm grateful. I thank God for them. Yeah. And I work with them. I see them. And, and I know what they've risked their lives. And when they were getting COVID and they're taking it back home into their families yeah. and what they were having to deal with uh, because they are living together, tight quarters. They, you know, they, they yeah. were having to get up and deal with this when everybody else was being locked up at home. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. I mean, and I just, uh, and, and I'm so glad we're talking about this because I want us to remember this. I don't want this to go away when COVID goes away. Exactly. Um, you know, I want us to remember how important this work is. The, the, the maintenance work that we see is truly the maintenance of our lives. It's the foundation of, of, of this country, of everything we do, um, not just this country, but the world. And so I just hope that we don't forget that. Um, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, we are actually at the tail end of the hour. Um, so I, I really want to thank you for imparting your wisdom and your experience with us. Um, but I also wanted to give people an opportunity to know how to connect with you. If, should they be interested in connecting? Um, how, how can people best reach you? Well, I'm on uh, Brian. You can reach me, Brian, the official Brian Carpenter on Instagram. And then we, we have our website, uh, the Flintstone Group, uh, flintstonegroup.net so, and, and .com. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. And then I have my own uh, uh, website, Brian, brianmcarpenter.com on my website. 
Okay, because you do a lot of speaking and motivation as well. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So definitely connect with Brian. If you're looking for somebody to speak, if you're looking for somebody to partner with uh, business-wise, um, I, I, I love the work you, you're doing. And um, I, I just, I, I wish you all the best. I, Thank I'm you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. I appreciate you having me on the show. It was a pleasure being able to talk with you and speak with you about these topics and uh and, and i wish you well i wish you thank all the you. success and stay healthy thank you that's the best wish ever thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone um we, we are going to come back uh, for the second half of the show so stay with us we'll be right back on the live exchange Hello and welcome to the second half of the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pam and uh, we're, we're here every Thursday to discuss humanity, intellect, and change. Um, I, we are, I, I had an excellent time in the first hour um, speaking with Brian Carpenter, who is the owner of the Flintstone um, Incorporate. I, I think I just said it wrong, uh, the Flintstone Group LLC, and uh, they are a janitorial service and um, a group that provides supplies to businesses. Um, really awesome conversations. We talked about the pursuit of joy um, and, and really what that means as well as the dignity that exists within the professional, the, the profession of um, janitorial, the janitorial in industry. Um, so in this next hour, I'm going to be joined by an R&B icon, Drew, and we're going to be further exploring what it means to create spaces of self-expression and tapping into our joy. So we'll get to hear this conversation on uh, the, the pursuit of black male joy from a completely different perspective. So I'm really excited about that. So stay with us, get engaged in this conversation. Uh, we're on Facebook Live on the Sensation Station Network. Would love to see your comments there. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I'm going to introduce our second guest for this hour. Today, we are talking about the pursuit of black male joy. Um, and I just love the sound of that. I love the sound of that because I love when black men are joyful. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Um, Award-winning R&B artist Drew released the highly anticipated movie video, music video, Can't Get Enough, from his recently released single, um, Can't Get Enough has a high energy, edgy, and sexy vibe that Drew brings naturally and with ease. Directed by Charlton uh, Visuals, Drew pulls from his early days with Juno award-winning R&B group In Essence to give his fans a rare glimpse of his dance skills. With music influences like Usher, Marvin Gaye, and D'Angelo, Drew knew he had to take the journey seriously in order to have a seat at the table. He was determined to make it his own. Can't Get Enough is an example of the sheer talent, determination, and originality of this artist. So we will get to see a little bit of this video, but first let's bring on Drew. Hello there. Hello. So great to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. It sounds like you've got a lot of uh, joy going on in your life these days. <laughs> yes, yes, I can't complain. I can't complain at all. So I'm just, I'm just keeping it moving. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So so if you don't mind, I just kind of want to start off with a question about what joy has looked like in your life, just so we can get a foundation uh, for the rest of the conversation. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I have a 16 year old daughter uh, who uh, I'm very I'm very close with. And, uh, you know, she's um, I took some time off from being an artist to focus on being a father to make sure she was good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the position I'm in right now in my life, um, I would say is very joyful because I have my daughter's support who's now, you know, kicking me out the door to go, you know, go get <laughs> daddy, you know, that type of thing. So um, just the joy in having my little girl's support and, and just, uh, you know, doing something that is my passion that isn't influenced by, say, a major label. So I've yeah. found a lot of joy in having the, taking the, taking the control back. There's got to be a lot of freedom in that, in, yes. in in being able to kind of move and navigate in the direction that you want. You know, what does that look like for you, you know, in your career, having that freedom? Uh, it's it's scary. I can't I can't lie. You know, now that I'm, you know, I've been independent for many years, but, you know, you, we learn as we go. So right. you know, there's certain choices that, I've you know, I've learned from making mistakes, you know, and now being able to still be able to do what I love, you know, um, I'm just taking my time now. I'm a little bit older now, so I can kind of sit back and, uh, you know, take a breath. I've learned to yeah. take a breath and, you know, um, make these choices and just kind of, you know, uh, tiptoe a little more. I was uh, earlier on, I, I had less control and I felt I wanted uh, to be more guided, you know, yeah. and I'm, I've, taken, I've taken control of that now. So uh, it's scary, but it's empowering. And um, I think, uh, you know, uh, out of my comfort zone, it, it, it makes you grow, right? It makes you grow. Right. You learn more about yourself and what, what you can handle, and you'd be surprised of what you can handle. So That's amazing. Yes. Okay, so so I, I hear a little bit of a, an accent in your voice, so I, and, it, and it could just be a regional <laughs> accent, but I'm just curious, where are you from? Where did you grow up? What was your life like as a child? <laughs> I am of Jamaican descent, but yeah. I was born and raised in, in Toronto, so still got a little bit of that Toronto, Toronto lingo, you know, um, okay. but yeah, you know, Jamaican descent, but I was born in Toronto, St. Joseph's hospital. What's up? Got it. Hey, St. Joseph's. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I just heard something. It's like, I'm not going to even try to identify it. I just, I'm just going to ask. <laughs> so where are you located now? Are you still in that area? Yeah. I'm actually in a suburb of Toronto called Mississauga. Okay. Know? which I was raised in Mississauga. So big up to Mississauga, Saga City, we call it out here. So Nice. Yes. So I got to ask, because I, I visited Canada for my first time last year, and it was, well, no, last year was COVID, right? Yeah, so 2019. <laughs> <laughs> 2019. Um, but I was in Ontario. Um, and so I, I think we, you know, flew over or transitioned in Toronto, but I'm curious to know the, the perspective as a black man that you have with what's going on here in the United States. Do you see some of the same things happening in Canada? Um, or is there a different viewpoint that, you know, you know, that you have based on what you're seeing from where you're at? Uh, I think, I think it's very similar. Um, the only difference is Canadians, uh, I find from my perspective are a little more uh, passive and, you know, they kind of, I think it's a, it's, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but we kind of let some things slide. Like I don't want to get too, too deep into, you know, some serious COVID stuff, but you know, all this locked down right now. And it's, uh, you know, and we're if if what was if what's happening here was happening, I'd say in any state in America, there'd be some insane <laughs> protests and you know a little bit more of an uprising and revolt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, 
We're in an interesting place right now. I'm trying to just stay on the positive side of it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So, okay. So I have one more question that might teeter a little bit on, on, on a little bit of controversy, but I'm just going to ask and get it out of the way. But, you know, with regards to some of the violence against black men that we've seen here in the United States, um, you know, how does that look from your end? Is, is that something that is. Yeah, you know? it looks, I think it looks the same as it does from your end. Um, yeah. I think uh, just being, being a black man. And I mean, don't get me wrong. We've seen, you know, a lot of the similar issues, myself included, you know, growing up, you know, I was in areas, especially in Mississauga, you know, um, you know, in the, in the classrooms, you know, there's one or maybe two black people in, in each class, you know, as I, as I grew up. So even just from that being singled out as a child was still something that was very uh, visual and evident. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, this whole, the angle of the police brutality, and I, to me, it's it's not it's not a new story. You know, it's not it's right. not something new to me. It's I think right. I think social media now that you know social media is what it is now. It's kind of made it this uh, maybe to the younger generation, you know, mm-hmm. as something that's oh my goodness, you know, like this really happened. Like this has been happening, but this has been happening. You know, right. you know since Rodney King. You know, before yeah. Rodney King, like yeah. You know, but it's just really uh, it's just really in the media right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of power in that, in, in yes. the media being able to expose a lot of these things. I think, um, you know, somebody had said, oh, you know, this started with Emmett Till. And I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I could say that was true. But no, <laughs> this was before Emmett Till. This is before. I mean, this is the, this has been a thing, you know. And so I this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to do a show on black male joy because there are so many things that are bogging us down. And and again, I'll I'll state in this hour that the joy of, you know, black men are not the only ones who are struggling through this thing. You know, we black women are being targeted as well, but there is something unique about black male joy. And there's something unique about the the joy black women experience. You know, we, we get together and we have glasses of wine and, you know, talk and, you know, have, you know, girlfriend time. And, and so I'm just like really excited to dive into what male, what joy looks like in black men. So, uh, so we get back, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to go to a commercial break, but I, I'm excited to hear um, you talk a little bit more about this concept of joy and your career and how all of that folds together. So stay with us and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am joined by Drew, who is an award-winning R&B artist. And um, we are talking about the pursuit of black male joy. And right before the break, I was saying, you know, what's the difference? Why black male joy and why not just joy? And, you know, I think it's because sometimes it it um, it's important to acknowledge, I think, who we are and our journey and some of the things that um, make us unique. And so I think that with looking at joy, um, there is a unique experience that black women have, and there's a unique experience that black men have. And, um, and, and, and then you have your own personal experience that really can't be generalized to anybody else. It's just who you are. And it's just some of the weird quirky things you do um, to find joy. (laughs) Um, And so I'm curious to know uh, from your standpoint, um, you know, Drew, you talked about how you find joy in fatherhood, you know, yeah. with your with your daughter. When you think about some of the black men that, you know, and that you interact with, um, what how is joy expressed among black men in, in terms of how you've seen it? Uh, you know, I think even just the word joy is a 
rare term. I mean, you know, we hear yeah. like you know, we hear happiness, we hear maybe contentment. Right. You know, but joy is a joy is an interesting thing. I think joy is like a deeper a deeper combination of happiness yeah. and contentment. And it's like a combination of all these things and it kind of is a prolonged deeper feeling. Right. And it's a it's a rare word. Um but to say how joy is expressed, I think as as men, I mean, we have different ways of it, of expressing joy. Um, and I think we have may have different interpretations of what joy is mm. to us individually. You know, yeah. some people may think joy is, you know, material, you know, mm. to have a certain amount of money in the bank may bring you right. joy, you know, but I don't know if I would take the same interpretation of joy as in having, you know, monetary things. Mm -hmm. um, I express joy through my craft, you know, through making music. I mean, yeah. just ex being able to express myself in a whole brings brings me joy just as an artist. You know, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't speak for other artists, but I, do, I make music because it makes me feel good and it brings it brings joy to my life and if i can then use this craft to bring joy to someone else's life you know that i don't even know you know yeah. i could reach them a stream could reach them randomly on a playlist on spotify and you know change their day from you know maybe you know wanting to hurt someone or hurt themselves and just change their mood you know so yes. i think that brings joy that that brings joy to just to me as as an artist I love that. I, I, yeah, because it's when you have a gift and you're able to put it out there, yeah. I mean, it, it really gives your life purpose. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't think there's a better word for that than joy <laughs> when you're able to do that. Can you talk a little bit about, because I, I would love to show a little part of the video, but can you yeah. um, just kind of show or set us up with, with what this song is about, Can't Get Enough, yeah. and, and you know what inspired it? Um, can't get enough myself and my producer Hollywood Pro. Uh, we did this song about three and a half years ago. Uh, it was really um, a really playful, sexy, soulful kind of concept. You know, I love I love how artists like Bruno Mars, Pharrell yeah. Williams, you know, J even Justin Timberlake, um, how they really play with that soulful, um, funky, mm -hmm. you know, almost disco-y kind of kind of vibe. And I find the lyrics are more. It's more playful. It's it's more of a sexy, playful vibe. I don't really, um, we didn't really go too deep with the concept to make it really too deep. It's a playful, sexy vibe of you know the girl that you know gets a lot of attention in the in the in the club and you know she's not used to uh, you know the guy that's kind of in the background, kind of not giving her the attention that she usually wants. Yeah, and it kind of gets her going, you know. So it kind of you know she can't get enough. That's kind of the concept, but. I like to keep it very open and I like to write and leave a little bit of the interpretation to the listener. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Are, are we able to play a part of that song right now? Yes, please. please do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of it. Big up to Charlton Visuals. Yeah, I love it. Are we... Are we
All right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing some um, I'll be sure vibes in there, too. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to go from Michael all the way, you know, whatever you hear, it, it all pulls from my, the, all those influences, definitely. I love it. That is that is pretty awesome. Yeah, I was just I was just getting ready to start dancing and then she turned it on <laughs> like, oh, but no, this is good because it's the taste. Go find more of it. And 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 yeah. how I know we're going to talk about how we can connect with you and everything, but that song is on Spotify right now. That song is on Spotify right now. It's streaming beautifully. Uh, you know, as you can see at the videos on YouTube right now. So mm -hmm. uh, I think we got to almost 200,000 views on YouTube in like a couple of weeks. Yay. So proud of that, you know, for this being my, you know, first official, you know, release for the new album, which new, the new album drops the end of May. So. Oh, coming uh, up. Yes, coming up. <laughs> okay. So are you, so, okay. Releasing out. So I have a publishing company and in the similar vein, we have authors releasing books authors are used to doing book tours, it's COVID. You're releasing your album. What creative ways are you gonna be promoting this album? Yeah, considering you probably aren't gonna be able to do the big tour and you know, kind of yeah, thing. That's exactly, that's where I'm still working that out right now. You know, we're still doing a, a lot of online uh, playlists, um, you know, uh, marketing pushes, you know, obviously I'm, I'm doing a lot of ads on YouTube right now. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be setting up some virtual performances. I wanna do a virtual listening type right. of party. Um, but yeah, you know, COVID has really thrown in a real big monkey wrench into a lot yeah. of plans. Um, you know, my album was supposed to come out in 2020. Okay. And I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And I kind of got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I can't keep pushing it. And who, who knows when things are going to open up the way that us as artists really need it to. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, you know, myself and the Effortless Entertainment team, we're just... Uh, really trying to find some new interesting ways to uh to market and promote this album yeah yeah covid certainly has um forced us to find some creative ways to <laughs> you know to make it happen um but i you know i i love the the listening sessions and you know those are i mean actually those have given us life you know as you know many of us have just kind of taken to the verses and some of the other things that have been happening musically so i you know i i, I have a lot of optimism for um you know what can happen yeah. you know, in promotion uh, but we're going to take a quick break and uh, when we come back we're going to look at a little bit of um research on um black male um emotions and i can i i'm looking forward to hearing some of drew's thoughts on that as well so stay with us and we'll be right back all right welcome back to the live exchange i'm dr pamela and in this hour i am joined by award-winning r&b artist Drew, and we are talking about the pursuit of black male joy. Um, and, uh, you know, Drew was just talking about a, um, a single that he's releasing, Can't Get Enough, and this is going to be a part of a larger album that he's releasing at the end of May. So just keep your eyes out. Um, let's support our artists, um, especially through such a strange time uh, in this world right now where we really can use, you know, all the support uh, we can get. But I wanted to share a little bit of research. Um, and this is really looking at men and emotions um, from repression to expression. So meaning that the uh, expectation is that that men um, repress their emotions, that they don't really let those out because it's not necessarily the accepted thing to do um unless it's a certain emotion you know it's expected that men would express rage or anger um but it's not necessarily expected that men would express some of the 
um, gentler emotions um, like joy, um, like tenderness and, and, and so forth. Um, and so this research is done by um, Mark Way and this was from 2014. And they insist that dismissing men as the feelingless gender is not only unhelpful, but it's also wrong. Um, she, she says that um, men express their feelings um, using a secret code, one in which even themselves can't decipher. And this is because a lot of their emotions have been repressed. So sometimes they don't even necessarily understand the emotions that they're expressing um, because it's, it's not something that's necessarily um, encouraged. And so um, a lot of times in, the, in, in personal relationships, if they feel safe enough, they'll allow those emotions to come out. But if it's not safe, they really only allow those emotions that are male accepted emotions um, to be expressed. So I I would just love to hear your your thoughts on on this, Drew. Yeah, you know, what? I think um, I think nowadays I have to say it that uh, a lot to, you know, the music released, you know, from the mainstream, I think has a lot to do with it. Really? I think there's been a lot of desensitizing going mm-hmm. on in i would say r&b and hip-hop music wow. you know, and it's um i think you know children coming up or younger you know younger people teenagers you know people in their early early 20s you know are influenced by what they're listening to hmm. you know and it's uh i don't know if there's an agenda <clears throat> a, a deeper agenda from the you know the entertainment industry on a whole um, but you can definitely see if you really look at, you know, who these labels are signing, who they're dumping millions of dollars into, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's a lot of artists that have <clears throat> more of a positive, um, you know, uplifting, you know, um, sort of a, not even a message, but just a, something that's not just so dark. Yeah. You know, and those are the artists that maybe aren't getting the, uh, the media push that they should. That's interesting. So, so, you know, and I'm not necessarily wanting you or asking you to call anybody out, but are there certain themes that you're seeing in, in the, the music that's being released today that's making you think, you know, this isn't necessary. This is adding to the, the idea of the feelingless, you know, men being of the feelingless gender. Are there themes in the music that's, that's kind of pointing to that? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> You know, a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people may look at it as, oh, you know, it's cool imagery or it's artistry, you mm. know, to uh, to show certain, you know, uh, uh, evil imagery or the subject yeah. matter, you know, in these, a lot of these videos are really pointing towards something that is emotionless or, you know, more about, you know, uh, disrespecting women or even women disrespecting themselves or, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's getting, it's getting more and more as the norm to me. And it's, 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 it's a little troubling. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of the music. You know, mm-hmm. music isn't always supposed to be dead serious. Right. Right. There's fun. There's certain things that are a little cheeky concepts. You know, I have a, I have a lyric in my song where I, I, you know, I say a word that some people may feel right. So I'm not, I'm not trying to seem like I'm holier than now, but I think, I think overall we kind of have a responsibility as, as artists to kind of steer some of these younger artists in a more of a positive direction. Yeah. 
like, don't get me wrong. I, I think Cardi B is cool. I think Megan Thee Stallion is, you know, they're cool artists, dope artists, you know, but um, unfortunately us as artists, you know, we are leaders. Yeah. Our children watching. And <clears throat> I don't know when, you know, when a, a 11, 10, nine year old, it can quote every lyric from a Cardi B song. Mm -hmm. That's a little troubling. Yeah. That's a little troubling to me as a father with a 16 year old. Right? So. <laughs> I, I, I think it's interesting because um, I don't know if we, I hear an echo, but um, I'll, I'll just keep going. Um, but one of the things that, um, you know, you, you, I think what's important is that because what you said is, yes, I'm not trying to say that these artists shouldn't be out there, but it sounds like what you're saying is that there should be a variety, that there that, that it's not just one type of music or one type um, yes. that should be out there, but the variety is kind of what makes the difference. Yeah, you know, and, and to come back to the whole, you know, uh, you know, uh, expressing certain emotions and some of these, maybe these younger teen men coming up, you know, listening to some of these lyrics, they may feel, oh, well, is this how we're supposed to treat women? Or yeah. am I am I supposed to be gangster all day? Am I supposed to be this hard all day? And I guess to attract someone like this, who is, you know, pushed in the media as, you know, the type of, this is the new type of girl that is accepted in media. And maybe I need to be a certain way to get a girl like that. Yeah. You know, oh, I mean, it's such a, a good question and a good point because am I supposed to be this way all day? And so then people try to emulate that and then yeah. be that all day. And it's like, no, nah, that's not what they're doing all day. <laughs> no, they're not. They're with their families all day. You know? Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, 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 they're with their kids, you know, smiling, having fun, being a family man. You know, right. and a lot of these artists on camera, they're they're displaying something that they don't live all day. But the kids will try to display this, you know. Yeah kids or even just their fans will try to just, you know, emulate their life that they see on TV. It's only a three and a half minute video. So <laughs> I, you know, what's interesting is I just saw an interview with um, Jay-Z and I don't know if you heard about this, but he um, really, the question was about his lyrics. And if you know, if you look at your lyrics, um, you know, and, and he was just kind of asking, it was kind of an, an, an analysis kind of question about his lyrics. And right. he said, you know, I'm really proud of the work that I've done, but there's one song I just wish I never did that I'm really like, I just wish never happened, which was Big Pimpin'. <laughs> oh, wow. You really said that. <laughs> and, and so wow. he delved into the, the lyrics of that song. And he said, I can't believe, and of course, we're not going to reiterate those lyrics here. Y'all know Big Pimpin'. Yeah, yeah, if you don't. Go check it out. But he, you know, he just said, when I looked at the lyrics of those songs, I I can't believe I said that. Wow. Like I can't believe, like, who talks to women like that? Like, who would do that? You know? Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting hearing that from an artist's point of view, with you know, and, and people love the song. I don't know if everybody knew all the words that were in there, because <laughs> when I read those lyrics, I was like, Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and I used to love, I still love that song, you know, but it's true, those um those yeah, those those lyrics were pretty questionable, and it's, I think I think us as artists, I mean, if someone like Jay Z, who's like at the top of the food chain, can can be honest enough mm -hmm. to actually say something like that, yeah, you know, us as artists, you know, there's nothing wrong. Like we make mistakes too. Like there's been music that I have out there right now that I don't really really think helps society very much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, um, but as we grow, you know, we learn and we. You know, as we have children and we 
want to influence. And, and we now see that, you know, we were given a gift and this gift was given to us for some reason to bring something positive to the world, then maybe we can look at the way we make songs a little differently. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess I have to say that, you know, as horrible as those lyrics were, cause I read them, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> they came from somewhere, right? They, they came from, some level of reality somewhere. It might not even have been his reality, but yeah. it came from some level of reality that people can identify with. Yeah. Um, so to not not to justify the song necessarily, but I think it makes for really important conversation. Yeah. So the fact that it's out there right now, we can now talk about. Yeah. And, and, and I think it'd be awesome for Jay-Z to be at the forefront of these conversations. I hate that we have to go to a break right now because I, I really want to dive into this, but let's just hold our thoughts on this. Um, and then we're going to come back uh, right after this break. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am joined uh, on this, in the second hour. We're talking about uh, the pursuit of black male joy, and I'm joined by R&B artist, award-winning R&B artist, Drew. And um, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, just music and the lyrics and some of the, the more controversial aspects of the music. Um, uh, Jay-Z um, recently had an interview in which he said that one of his biggest regrets, and he was not asked what he regrets, he just volunteered um, <laughs> that one of his biggest regrets was writing the song Big Pimpin' because he said he looked at those lyrics and he's like, I cannot believe I wrote this. Um, I have a feeling that this has a lot to do with having a couple of daughters um, and a wife. You know, he, he wrote this in a different phase of his life. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I want to ask the question. So there's a paradox here with music and, and, and writing of the lyrics. So we've got music that is real, tells the story versus music that inspires, which is what you were talking about before. Right. Um, We've got telling the truth in our music versus protecting our kids so that they're not reciting every word of Cardi B. Right. We've got portraying ourselves in a positive light versus just being ourselves. So where, where do you land on these, these paradoxes that we have here? Well, I mean, I think you can, if you're living your life a certain way, right, makes it a lot easier to be real about the positive that you're putting into your music, <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's there's a lot about being real that can that can be a learning experience. Also, that's why a lot of these artists do talk about what they saw in their community, and yeah. you can still learn from these lyrics, even though they can be viewed as negative. But I think you know. Um, I've learned a lot over over the years, and that's that's why my new album is called The Rebirth, because um, I feel like I've I've learned a lot. I've been reborn as just as a as a as a man. I should mm -hmm. say that, that sounds weird saying being reborn as a man. I know that sounds. I love weird. it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I've learned I've learned a lot, and the way that I the way that I make music now is to try to uplift. You know, even if it's to make you laugh, make you smile, make you, you know, maybe reflect on a situation that you were in that hurts you, that you overcome. Yeah. You know, so it's um, I think it's a fine line. Absolutely. And, and you know, honestly, 
I, I mean, there were there were certainly songs that I wasn't able to listen to as a kid, or that I, you know, if my parents knew what these people these people what they were saying, you know, they, they would be like, "What, you know, what is this? You can't listen to this." Um, but I think that musicians are historians in in so many ways, and so by no means would I ever suggest that we need to remove the 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 history that was basically written by you know, Ice Cube and Easy e and, you know, um, even some of the more sexually explicit, I mean, Lil' Kim, look, look, Lil' Kim was a story. And I mean, that's why I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of tippy-toeing around it because it's such a line, you know, like, because I can't be a hypocrite either, you know, so. Yeah. So we want the positivity. Um, And and I think that, I think that we also, we also want the truth. Um, and and it is a fine line because we don't want to cause more harm, yeah. um, you know. But at the same time, I just think I think we can have two thoughts at one time. I think we can. I think we have multiple thoughts, multiple experiences, multiple yeah. indulgences in music um, at one time. Yeah, and that's what that's what the world is anyway, right? Yes. Like everything is coming at us at once. So yes. you know, we got to sift through and figure out what what works for us or what we take in and you know, make pertain to our life. Right. So we take, we take the, what we like to that, let that nourish us. And then, you know, maybe the stuff that isn't quite so healthy, we have conversations about, we learn about, we process, we analyze. Um, Like I said, right before the break, I would love for Jay-Z to be at the forefront of some conversations uh, about, his his new perception of his lyrics. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to hear the old perception and I want to hear the new. Let's talk about it, you know. That'd be an interesting conversation. I mean, I'm a I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jay-Z and 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 the funny thing too is that a lot of a lot of the 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 most, you know, um questionable songs, you know, women love it just like just like yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we saw it versus just now. She was dancing when I said uh, JC Big Pimpin. She, is yes, and um, so yes, and and I was gonna actually bring out the because you had mentioned that some of the songs um might give young men an idea about how to treat women, but I think some of the same thing has been happening with songs by women as well. Yeah. Is is giving women um probably more of a negative spin in terms of how to treat men um, and how to approach relationships. And so, but opportunities for conversation, because what's real uh, in my pers- the way that I see it is that people have the perceptions that they have because of the lives that they lived, you, you know, whether or not I'm writing lyrics for show because I need to make some money or because I'm writing lyrics because these were my life. This was my life, and I don't trust. I don't trust a man. Don't trust a man. Don't let him have your money. If that's the lyrics, there is some level of truth that's behind that experience that that needs to be dissected. Let's have a conversation about it. What? Why are we not trusting our men? Why are we? You know, what? what let's dig into that. You know. Or you know, when they talk about you know, um, what's that track? Six figure. That's what I like, or whatever. Uh-huh. I hear that song on the radio every day. Yeah. <laughs> every yeah. day. You know, I'm sure a 17-year-old boy is like, oh, six figures. Like, I got to get six figures to get with a girl like that. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I the way I see it is there there is some level of truth behind everything that comes out. And um, rather than 
just pointing fingers at it and saying, oh, this is bad. Well, let's no. talk about it. yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It sounds like a, a nice series to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You may have to take this and turn this into something more than You know this. what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously. Um, so I, I, I just I wanted to get a little bit into kind of next steps and what you're seeing, what you see for yourself, you know, next. So you have this album coming out. Um, yes. What's the big picture? Uh, and I know this is a big question. I don't even know how to answer it if somebody asked me, but what, <laughs> what is the big picture plan for your life um, as you're, you know, pursuing your music? Yeah. I mean, like I said, this, uh, this album that's dropping May 27th, it's about uh, seven years in, in the making, uh-huh. you know? Um, so, you know, this is something that's been, that's been uh, planned for a while. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a compilation of my experiences and stories and situations from friends stories over all these years put into these 17 songs, wow. 17 song album. It's like back in the day when, you know, black street put out an album and there's like yes. 22 songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's something like that. Um, I love it. But as for the big picture, um, you know, uh, Effless entertainment is my label. So the last two albums have been put off or have been released um, through my label. Um, okay. I have a partnership with, with uh, Universal Music for my On The Brink album. But um, nice. the, the plan is to sign more acts. You know, I want, I want to put a kids group together, kind of like ABC from back in the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna be, uh, looking for three, you know, three little, you know, three ethnic boys that can really, can really dance, you know, so uh, can sing, rap, and, uh, you know, uh, just... Kind of mold mold a new group. I think it's time. I think the industry is kind of leaning towards, you know, these these younger fans want something to grab oh, on yeah. right now. And uh, you know, I think a group like that that we can mold and you know uh, develop and then you know help them on their solo careers as they get older in the you know in this industry and kind of guide them, give them the guidance that I didn't have, yeah. you know, as a as a younger artist, you know, coming up in a group. So. Oh. So that's the plan is to expand, sign acts. Um, but I'm going to take my time and, and put out quality. I'm not just going to, you know, kind of just, if I can find a group that's already together, <laughs> that's already been working, <laughs> so I don't have to try to manufacture and put them together. I would rather that. But either way, um, I definitely want to sign some more acts to Everless and, um, and just, you know, kind of save uh, – uh, save R&B music in my eyes and kind of sign more acts that I feel the major labels aren't signing for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, that sounds very similar to my my mission and purpose with the publishing company is that I, I want to sign people who yeah. wouldn't necessarily get picked up by the big, you know, companies. And, you know, so I, I love that mission. I think that's such an important thing. Um, nowadays with social media, it seems that there are, are a lot of opportunities to, to to discover people because you know people are always out there doing their TikToks and, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think it's just um you know there's there's a lot of major label type of people that are posting stuff like oh if you have a certain amount of streams I'll yeah. you know but I think yeah. it's, I think it's still back to the day where we need to sign acts that don't have any streams have been yeah. discovered. then bring them to a level of success so ah i love it we're we're kindred spirits in that sense it's it's exactly the same thing i do i I do with authors you know they don't have a big platform but we will we'll we'll make your book great 
and, yes. and help you get there. So, okay, we're going to take a, um, a, another break and then when we come back. Um, I just, we're going to kind of wrap up and get you some of your final thoughts. So stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Light Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and today we are talking about the pursuit of black male joy. And we are joined by award-winning R&B artist Drew to help have that conversation uh, about joy. Um, Drew, I wanted to hear a little bit about. Um, I have that you're an award-winning R&B artist. Um, you know what you have. You know what what award. You know how to. You know um, what accolades. You know, what, what have you been doing up to this point? Okay, well, I started out in a group, in essence. Uh, we're an award-winning, um, so much music awards, Juno Awards, which is equivalent to Grammys in nice. the U.S. Um, I went solo in 07, um, and from then I've had two gold records, released two albums, uh, multiple Juno nominations, um, SoCan number ones, uh, Billboard number ones. Um, yeah, just to, just to name a little bit. And I just finished um, being on The Voice Russia, um, semi-finaled in The Voice Russia, and uh, just toured, toured Europe. In t- this was all 2019. So, do all these all these countries have the, have their own version of The Voice? Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it was about 40 million viewers a week. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so it was a amazing amazing um, situation. You know, I was you know the token black guy on the show. Loved it. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we got to do our... Love being the token black guy that was, hey, you're that, you're that guy from the show. You know, that's kind of how it was everywhere I went in Moscow. So um, wow. and that's, and that's why I did it, just to stand out and mm. to, you know, you know, um, I like putting myself in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's a whole show. Yes. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's amazing. So one of the things that you mentioned when you said that you were going to part of your goal is to put together a, a kids group, you know, or a yes. young a group of young people because they and you want to be able to give them some of the tools and some of the the information that you didn't have. You know, yes. what kind of tools with what does that look like what what do people need these days yeah i mean you know i came up in a group like i said so we 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 really looked up to new edition you mm-hmm. know yeah and the jackson five and yes. you know we um we really liked the work ethic and just there was a certain amount of class mm-hmm. you know that they that they that they had and right. you know even in the uh watching of the uh, new edition story i'm not sure if you guys watched that yep. mm-hmm. um, but you could really see that um their choreographer I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now but he was he, he was very very stern on you know a certain amount of class and how to conduct yourself how to how to speak you know in uh, interviews you know um so i think that's that's what's needed you know we didn't i didn't have that as a kid coming up we we were kind of learning off of what we saw you know, so I think it'd be, it'd be cool for a, a, a group to really have that guidance from an from from an artist perspective that's gone mm-hmm. through it after being in a group and kind of understanding the group dynamic. You know, knowing that there can't like one person isn't bigger than the group. Yeah, <laughs> a co- common respect for each other as a, as like a brothership. Because like when yeah. I was in my group, one person if you saw one of us in the club, you saw all of us in the club. Yeah, you know, I love and, it. And if you don't see us, none of us are there. And that's yeah. kind of how we moved. That's you know? awesome. Um, so just those certain things that I think that a younger artists, you know, coming up can really um, help them from a younger age to maybe have a longer 
career, you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Wow, so many, so many questions that just stem from that alone. But, um, but we are at the tail end, and I wanted to give uh, you an opportunity to let people know how they can follow you and and support and get involved with what you're doing. Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at Drew Grange, D R U G R A N G E. Um, you know, follow me on Spotify. Search D R U capital D small R U on Spotify, and you'll be able to find me on Spotify. Um, large catalog of music. So check me out. Check me out on YouTube at Drew Grange. You know, years of videos and, and uh, video content. You can see me on The Voice, see my blind auditions and, you know, all the chairs turning. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so definitely check me out. All right, will do. Thank you so much, Drew, for joining us today. This has been such an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you. Me too. The time flew by so fast. It did. It really did. (laughs) And I want to thank the rest of you for tuning into the live exchange where every week we exchange compelling dialogue around humanity, intellect, and change every Thursday from 11 to 1. Join us next week as we talk a little bit about the movie industry and our um, voice and our exposure um, of, of... you know who we are in the industry um together remember we can right the wrongs we can speak the truth we can rise above and we can stand for change have an empowering week Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 